this is the multi-sport podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Supported by No Pins, the revolutionary number attachment system. See them on Facebook and Twitter. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. Welcome to the 130th JBST.com Smartcast. I'm Coach Joe Beer and I'm joined once again by South Fork Racing's waving monkey, <laughs> grinning buffoon, Martin Crocker. I think I'm just going to call you Crocker because that, that's Martin, fine. Martin is just the only time anyone calls you Martin is to tell you off. Nine times out of ten, yeah. Yes. Okay. So, where are you at? Where are we at? Well. To be honest, we're uh, we're in the middle of we're in the middle of it now. We're in the thick of it, Joe. The we're thick in the of thick it. Thick of it. Yes. So, and um, this month, this month, we've got stuff for triathletes to do with uh, Olympic distance power. Uh, also, marathon feeding for Ironman distance triathletes. Race review. I've got a race review from somebody who's just done an Ironman, and we've got uh, their race review. So that's interesting insight into um yeah just just post ironman which relates to lots of endurance efforts but i think quite insightful to see what somebody thinks of what they've done a look back some retro not retro data modern data on a retro hour record bike that was tested by um tour magazine and uh, what they made of uh, francesco moses double disc wheel bike that he used for the sea level indoor world record versus an off the peg tt superbike of today oh, um, surprising result actually the runners we've got that marathon feeding study it was quite useful for you doing marathons ultra distance trail running that sort of thing so something for everybody awesome so bring us up to date with the world of martin crocker everything's good the You're sun's out are you so fit uh yeah not too bad not too bad so i have uh, ridiculous tan lines so can't be too bad, really, can it? No. So he says. So he says. <laughs> Looking in disgust. Yeah. Oof. Right, we've got a couple of reviews. You do the first, I'll do the second. Fire away. Now, this one is titled Triathlon Information and More by Reader43. I clicked onto this podcast as a way of trying to find out whether the training I was doing for my new sport of triathlon was okay. I have learned so much more about the different equipment, training, nutrition, events, etc. There is always something new, although sometimes you have to wait for the partners to get to the point, um, and they work off each other in an entertaining way. If you have any interest in getting better at your... If you have any interest in getting better, I guess that is, ingesting better, actually, oh, I suppose, yes, ingesting better at your endurance sport, there'll be something for you. Thank you very much. And that's from Reader43. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I think that's probably fair assessment. And, yeah, we could be super clinical, but I, I think when you chat things through and you do have a, a little bit of a ramble, the thing is, you've you've got to be able to sometimes almost like go to the end of what you're thinking to actually think is that oh yeah that is what i think yeah that's it, rather yeah. rather than um some people if you pin them down the more you delved into what they were um thinking they were doing or what their knowledge of something was you'd realize it's it's a thin veneer 
and the moment it's scrutinized it's a little bit wobbly it may be very good but sometimes the thin veneer doesn't let you do anything else because it, there's no substance below it sort of thing so we will try and keep on track but we'll, <laughs> but we'll also add our little bit of humor well this is it our uh, maybe uh, tainted slant on tape oh, on things on things, on things. Uh, on Okay, the second review is from Anth T, and that was on the 15th of June, and he said uh, his title was Great and Good Fun, but please sort your sound out. He gave us four stars, so that's still very generous for just dropping a star. And he says, um, I'll buy you a microphone, full um, exclamation mark, uh, great banter though, and top quality advice. Thanks both anth okay so very short and sweet and we've we've not acknowledged but we've realized now what the um issue was with the uh microphone um and we need to uh give henry uh, a little rocket and uh, a, a lighted match and uh he, he didn't he missed that one entirely yeah i suppose it uh, it might sound all right if you're kind of listening back to it with uh, with headphones or with the office um the music suite equipment that he's got but yeah, yeah, but we've realised what it is, so we should be coming um, super duper, um, super duper stereo. Hopefully, is the, is the hopefully, to, is the way to look at it. Um, now, there's only one thing that that, that, that frightens me slightly: is Joe's sat with a lap full of paper, and I know for starters that one of them's going to be um, tyres that he's got on there, which I oh, can't say anymore. Um, but he always frightens me when he's got a big old pile of paper. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. You've stitched me up with something on here, haven't you? Um, no, do you know what? Something just popped up, and um, that noise you heard was my little tweet thing. And it was actually, and it will be a blatant, um, be a blatant no-pins advert here, but I've just got a tweet from Keith Murray, and you can check this back. This was at uh, 21.36, and if you look at the Murray Ator, so M-U-R-R-A-Y-A-T-O-R, uh, and this was 2nd of July, we're recording this, and he said, um, three tens with no pins, three PBs. Wow. 18.36. Not bad going, That's is not it? Not bad going, is it? <laughs> no pins are faster. So there, so there we go, and that that's from a that's from a guy that knows how to push the pedals and is experienced enough, and um, and it's great it's great to see something reach the level of fruition where people are are it's helping them. You know, it's it's not going to do it for you. None of these things we've gone through it so many times. Yeah, none of these it. things do it for you. It's the combination. If you're not going well and um, you need to you know rethink a lot of things that you're doing you shouldn't scrabble at you know another helmet or you know a change of wetsuit or some new knobblies for your cross bike or whatever it is you you've got to get back to the real basics but when you look at the the icing on the cake it's sometimes nice to think that there's little bits to be gained and that you know in a nice way i always like to think I might have helped somebody get a PB. Yeah, it's actually it. really yeah, yeah. kind of when somebody says thank you, I've just done my Ironman or I've just done this, this thing. That's that's a sense of satisfaction. A lot of people don't get in their jobs. I mean, they really don't get 
because they don't see an automatic end result and somebody saying what you said I did it got better I improved thank you very much and that's good because it does make you think then that what you know is is fairly solid I'm not going to say you can get it right all the time but it kind of helps you yeah to um to see the end result so that was really good for that to come in at that exact point I like that it's all about timing it's all about timing yeah um as well as that review we had a, a tweet from David Manning Ohren, I think we've done this guy um, before, I think. It rings a bell. Um, and he says, um, at Coach Joe Beer, a big thanks to your podcast. Thanks to the um, little blackbird in the background <laughs> going across the garden. Um, uh, right through the office window and out the other side. A big thanks to your podcast for cutting through the marketing and faddy training and keeping it simple for us. Great. That's what we like to do. That's it. Um, I, you know, there, there is marketing. I've just dropped in... Um, I've just dropped in the, the Nopin's name there, and people do have to make money out of sport. You know, it's it might be somebody's leisure, but it's somebody else's career, it's somebody yeah. else's yeah, yeah. product, it's somebody else's business. And and I think when people understand that, they they kind of get the idea that um, it's it's fine. You know, that somebody makes um, money from races and makes money from tires and makes money from you know swimming pools and stuff, or else the the things I was going to say, in the grand scale of things, making money from from races is is the reason why everybody gets to race, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, and I think you know, there was just a race. Um, we've just had uh, Ironman Austria. Yeah, people have come back. The report that we'll do on the uh, race review is from somebody that did Austria. So that was uh, four days ago, three days ago. Um, I think it sold out in, I think, you know, it's just a number of hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous gone. now. No. Um, and I saw one today that was uh, for next, I think for next year, and it was um, 500 euros for the, for the Ironman. And somebody's saying, I've got to think about it now. I've yeah. got to put my entry in now. I can't wait and think about it in October. What should I do next year? They've got to jump on it now. So they've just finished an Ironman. They're in recovery mode. <laughs> and they said, how many hours do you think I've got this weekend yeah. to enter? Because cool. it might be literally, they've got to stay up till, you know, some ungodly... Why Why the race directors open these things up at 12 o'clock yeah, at night? I know, yeah. Why not? Okay, perhaps servers might be quiet or something, but why not do it at 9 o'clock in the morning? I mean, it'd be even more of a bun fight then, wouldn't it? I think it's, especially when, when your thought is, good, good Lord, my legs are aching, my backside's aching, my arms are aching, and you want to sit there in front of the computer only four days after you've done it, like just, oh God, just tapping the button going, oh, I'm going to have to enter again, so... Um, so this is this is known. It's out there. Have you seen that picture? I have seen it. Yeah, but I haven't seen that. <laughs> Why are we talking about it? Well, <laughs> it's it's a bike that it's been shown on SlowTwitch.com. Yeah. So there are pictures of Sebastian Canile's new Scott bike. So it is out there. This isn't um, this isn't a um, uh, a secret we're letting out of the bag. If you look at SlowTwitch.com, he did a 70.3 two weeks ago and won it. Yeah. And he was riding the bike, albeit it was camouflaged with the the triangles like they use on battleships right. and stuff. Yeah. So you couldn't work out the shape of the tubes. Trek did it some years ago when they were doing a, a bike that was aero. They had the, the same things. It, it disguises the tube shapes. But um, if you um, can't give any more details away because um, three wheels are, is a bit extreme though isn't it 
<laughs> Joe and I were laughing. We just had uh, he just handed me the picture of it. But the it's picture a, of it, yeah. It's and a fair-looking beast. And, and that picture, that picture is um, it's it's very rare. It's the the document that that is on is is totally embargoed. Nobody can actually show it to anybody digitally. It's just a, a thing. And I know yeah. you've seen it yeah. through the yeah. fact that you are a dealer um, of Scott bikes, not a dealer. You know, you're a dealer <laughs> of Scott bikes. Um, but very very interesting when it comes out the things that have been done not to say that there's anything that hasn't been done before, before yeah and not to say that there isn't a different way of looking at how other people you know like uh, trek have done things with storage how um giant did something with a um with a front end nose cone and so forth but very interesting and very exciting numbers because there is a um a, a way that you can improve on your bike by by spending money and and learning from things that are on more expensive bikes and carrying that over yeah. to your own bike but um i did wonder whether you'd seen this picture if you're if you don't know what we're on about google um google uh can, can i can never say his word kin kinley the uh, 70.3 world champion and google slowtwitch.com and they've got a picture of his bike in transition in the race and if you look hard enough on the internet there's pictures of it that people yeah. took at the time it was a relatively small 70.3 um, I don't even know the the race name off the top of my head. It's one of those you know additional ones that um, it wouldn't automatically be a name you'd you'd no, heard of. No, no. But it was out there. It was being used, um, and like quite a few of the sort of super bikes, you do see that they appear from time to time. But but somebody just put it, and then it suddenly went everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's obviously coming out, and it will be. I just know it will be coming out very soon. So um, watch out. We, we showed you this picture. Right, if you look really quickly, I'm just <laughs> oh, showing you... I'll, I'll show, show it to the mic. show it to the mic, and yeah. I'll show it to Martin's mic as well. There we go. I won't put the picture on the uh, no. Twitter feed. No. Um, we've got a question. Whoa. We've got quite a few questions. Oh. As well as bits of data and some research and bits like that. So, this is from... Uh, I think it might be the guy that just did the review, because this is from Anthony... Or Anthony, or Anthony, Anthony Towers. I think that might be him. But anyway, and it says, um, here we go. I've just been listening to the podcast, and Martin asked people to email in their race experiences and lesson learned. So here's a link of my uh, last race report on my blog. And so he's um, thetrynerd.com. And uh, he said, I started a blog as a way to keep track of what went wrong and what went right. It's a handy reminder to get access from anywhere. Um, I think I put it online because I read it more than just something I jotted in a notebook and I think it's helping me to remember and learn. Yeah, I yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I only started trial last year and I have to admit I've caught the bug. It's probably bordering on obsession, <laughs> but there are worse things to be obsessed yeah, over. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, love the podcast, love the banter and thanks for the great advice. Um, so his, uh, I presume you can get it through the Tri-Nerd and then look at his race report, which is to do with... Um, uh, the Nottingham ITU sprint, but it's you know it's nice to kind of know that people have found their ways of, of uh, it's almost like that's like a diary. I get people to put an online diary, they yeah. put it in a Google Docs, or they put it, you know, through um, Garmin Connect and write comments and stuff. But you've got to have something somewhere. And to some people, they hate they hate digital stuff. I mean, with with anything, they would rather you know they would rather you know send you a check than go online and pay it online they would rather you know jot it down than than actually you know literally and you think sometimes i get that don't put everything online and then start complicating yourself but that blog is obviously a great way for that guy to be able to just 
you know, type in a, a name like Nottingham, search through his blog, find that race report. He can remember what he's done. Yeah. So if you've got access to the stuff, look at a diary and then try and work back and think, oh, when was that race? Oh, okay, go to the back page where I wrote the races down. Oh, it was, it was June, right, look back to it, find it. Because that's, that's the worst thing as well, is if you write it down, you'll go, oh, right, so not so it was in it was in the month, I think it was either June or July, mm. and you spend most of your time then flicking through the pages going, oh, actually, I'm not getting anywhere here, am I? Yeah. Like you said, if you put it online, yeah, just type in Nottingham, not, or well, whatever. It's simple, you can just put it on a Google Doc, and it may be that it, it, it started as more of a, of a notes thing and he turned it into a blog. A blog is just notes that are put up there. I mean, it's just an easy way of making, a, a, you know, making something out there. But I think to have something you can... If it is pen and paper, if you can have something you can go back to, but yeah. if it's online and you put in search the term, you know, um, race, then every time that word came up, you could see or event, or if you called it keywords, you could get to the stuff quicker. You could get to a piece of equipment quicker and put when did when did I use such and such yeah. wheels or tires? You but, could search it much quicker. But that's the other thing as well is when you say to people, oh, I had a really good year last year. All oh, right, what did you do differently? Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't really know. Mm. What do you mean you don't really know? Can you look back through your diary? I don't really keep a diary. Oh, right. Okay. Well, how do you know what you've done was... Was w- better. Was better. Yeah. Or have you just stumbled upon something that yeah. you would would have loved to have, uh, have kept, right. but uh, unfortunately now because you're, um, you know, because you're, uh, you haven't written it down, it's a bit yeah. kind of I mean, tough, it is, really. It is, quite, it is quite hard to find... The, I think to find the formula for what works for somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When somebody's on a good thing, I, you know, it's really nice when somebody, it clicks, it all seems to just be going well. But I think that's probably because they've they've got over the, they've kind of got over the over-analysis side of it and they get on with it. And you say, look, all you've got to do is do, you know, do that three hours, do it at roughly this level and, and that's it. Yeah. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't over-push it. Don't, don't do it more than it needs to be done. And once it's done, that's it. You won't, you know, at the end be able to somehow uh, measure some difference by the fact you've done that three hours instead of doing two or one or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get on and do it. And then you accumulate those things enough and out comes the the person at the other end, and if if you've got a different set of genes that are doing that type of training, well, you can't do double the training to bring out the same effect. No. If if it isn't effectively there, well, you just make sure you use equipment and nutrition to its maximum because that is going to really start to help you. There are plenty of fit people that get it wrong because they're over exuberant or they've got bad equipment or, you know, I've actually heard it said, oh, I don't really believe in that nutrition stuff. I think, you know, you can quite easily, you know, just uh, eat uh, eat well, but, um, you know, not not necessarily think about specific supplementation or anything like that. And the more I see it, you are what you eat yeah. in a very in a very kind of obvious way you you sit there and you eat meals in the morning in the middle of the day you snack you have nighttime food all that stuff is making you what you are so it must be so so important i mean i'm not going to go about an experiment of really mucking my diet up i've found a couple of things in the past six months i think are really good and they really work for people yeah. on an individual basis but it's all part of the bigger thing and i think you know that guy's diary is great if he starts to find what works for him then good but if you don't know what's working well sometimes just go back to the basics or ask somebody to be really um really uh clinically 
honest about what's going on because sometimes that's what you have to be as a coach you really have to say something you're just not doing that right you know you you're, you're trying to get to the you know you're trying to get to the um you know the 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 wind tunnel or the 600 pound wetsuit and actually you're not doing the stuff that is the bread and butter yeah, yeah. and until you get that bread and butter done it's pointless yeah i mean it's kind of it's almost like you're being a bit of a mug because you're getting somebody's quite quite um, obviously taking money off you and you should be saying no just go this and do these sessions that won't cost you that much money yeah, that that's, do it. This that's and, the thing. and look what you get at the end of it wow I'm starting to get fitter now I can add on the stuff on top because I suppose from, from your point of view as being a being a coach it's, it must be really difficult to kind of in a in a polite way just say look look you know you're kind of barking up the wrong tree at the minute you know you're not far off but at the minute you need to get this this and you know your you know a couple of lessons of your technique of swimming just sorted or um, another swim session a week um, under your belt you know just to get your um, your speed up or your strength up or your distance up um, so yeah I guess broaching that kind of like you don't need the 600 pound uh, wind wind tunnel session just yet yeah. you know let's master getting your yeah. kind of your climbing or your weight down and your yeah. climbing uh, speed up or yeah. or you know your average power up a little bit before we we venture on until to the finer points of it so yeah i guess it must be difficult to, to yeah. kind of cross but those bridges that, that diary's he's hit the answer yeah. hit the nail on the head get a diary be able to review it don't just write it down and, and you know leave it for posterity when you're gone that everyone looks at your training diary and says oh what a great trainer they were you've got to look at it and review it probably every three months on each quarter of the year because on each phase you change what you're doing yeah, yeah. so you have to review and and you know and, and be be able to look back at stuff not just pat yourself on the back because your hours are going up look at some of the other things and i think that's what coaching is 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 nudging people to be honest with themselves yeah because then they start to go oh yeah actually yeah you're right i i could get by without that i could add this in because i don't want to do it but i know it's going to do me some good yeah yeah or sometimes just say right you just got to do that session that's what's going to take the work to get you know or not do the work take that take that amount of time off you're not recovering etc etc anyway we do have um, another question which Ooh. i know you've got martin Ooh. Uh, so this one is from simon reed yeah. um um so it says i've been listening to your podcast for the last year and always find them entertaining and informative they're a bit long at, <laughs> long at times uh you do keep asking is there a theme here yeah i think so that, listen we're giving value value for money you don't pay for it so yeah, we're giving you for the longer sessions yeah this is it this is yeah this is for the for the times when you really want to be bored um so uh you do keep asking for input and queries so having completed the high park triathlon olympic in uh 221 including 41 minute 10k i have now had the results of an mri scan on a right knee revealing a degenerate uh, medical meniscal tear and under an underlying osteitis is it the i don't know you, consultant you... says to reduce the um, the amount of running in your opinion can i keep up triathlon on a much reduced training run volume um i can attach the full donuts if this would help um all the best uh, simon I do apologise if people didn't get that, then uh, I haven't got my reading teeth in. <laughs> um, firstly, we are not, and I am, I am not a doctor, we are not going to do, um, you know, diagnosis and stuff. But the whole thing about, the you know, bottom line, um, can you keep up triathlon on a much reduced training volume? Of course. I think because of the fitness basis on which 
if I was to estimate a percentage that people do their triathlon running, it's probably about 30% of training time. Okay, so that means about 70%, certainly, yeah, at least 70% of training time, you're not running, you're, you're swimming or biking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've often said, you know, 25 to 30%, at least 50%, then 25 to 30% from swim to bike to run. The bike should be around 50% of the time. It's the easiest, it's the one that's, I know swimming is technical, but biking is very technical because you're on a machine and you've got to understand that you've got to be able to ride over varying terrain. Water's water, but can you reduce it? Yes, you can. And I think if if there is issues with um, impact, then some of your running time, you immediately move to the pool and you deep water run. Yeah. And you combine that with the swimming. So straight away, you're a swimmer, you throw in running, you can do it as part of the swimming session, or you can do it at the end of it. So that means you're not going to um, make any um, further damage. I don't know the specifics of the degenerate medial meniscal tear and underlying osteitis. Get that right. Um, don't know that. I don't know what's going to make that worse better, but running is always a thing where as a multi-sports triathlete you can afford to do less running is about your mass across the floor and your vo2 it's about your ability to actually get your pace judgment in olympic distance right therefore you can run better and there'll be more on that in a moment on the olympic distance power stuff there's been i don't even think you know um bazillions of research but i've seen enough people do it themselves to push the power too hard they're not quite run to their yeah. best and they think of every reason why they didn't quite do their running but it often is oh, i got the pacing too wrong i went harder than i should have done and i forgot that it's a long way to run 10 kilometers and support your body weight and if you've been injured it feels like a really long way yeah so with, with reference to to simon maybe i know it's difficult because you know he you know surely recovery then becomes a bit bit more key um to you know, to try a not pushing it so hard that obviously you get uh, you get injured injured from it, or you you speed up this process. But you know, recovery must come from uh, you must come a big or become a big part of of his of his of his cycle, if you know what I mean. Part of his his um, uh, what you say his ritual, as it would be to to kind of you know um, train, um, you know, obviously stress his body and then repair. So mm. you know, I suppose from that point of view. He needs to be looking more towards the recovery side of it, maybe now, um, just to kind of stay off anything that, that, that might happen kind of later on, or, yeah. or try I mean, and make it so it's not so bad, I yeah. suppose. I mean, you need, you need somebody to, to, to be a, a conduit between the consultant and the sport he's doing. You've got to find a very specific person that knows what um, strength resistance work may help to at least um, not make it um, any worse. It may be that uh almost very limited time is ever done on road surfaces you know like that's Hyde right Park. Yeah, and yeah. you just leave it leave it to the day a lot of runners and increasingly it seems a lot of triathletes they just keep away from tarmac they don't want to run on a man-made hard surface they'd rather run on um run on trails they would rather um so here's a name drop. Sorry, Scott Nedley sending me another text. <laughs> I think they know. Well, can he go to sleep? This. Yeah, well, exactly. he shouldn't be sleeping. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think you've really got to try and think. This this could be a lot of people. 
in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. I had somebody today, we had a conversation, they've got three weeks to an Ironman, and it's, right, no running, absolutely no running. The the issue which has come out of nowhere, they're going to have to say, look, we don't want to keep going back and testing it, go and see whether you can do it. The major volume of training is done anyway, not running on the head. You will still remember how to run off the bike. Yeah. And so many times people find it's better for them because they can actually, um, you know, they can actually absorb the training. Their legs don't get tired. It's just mentally, can you do and, and can Simon do less running and think, I can still be a good 10 yeah. And you can. And I think the difference is, is that, yes, a 10K elite runner... Uh, and that's the word, elite runner, would be doing, you know, 80 to perhaps 150 miles of running. But that's all they do. It's all about economy of movement. And the amount of time they run is actually quite a small amount. Yeah, There's yeah. quite a lot of age groupers that, you know, routinely think sort of 12 or 14 hours. And when you turn that into how many miles an elite runner would run when they can, you know, lope along a, a six minutes and it'd be quite so for every hour they're running six miles so if they do um you know even if they do say 14 you know that's over 80 miles easily without any changes of pace included in there so i think you can do less and i think that's the secret to being a good triathlete is you don't fix on oh yeah but as a runner i used to do 40 miles that's a it. yeah, yeah. for that yeah. or or oh well you know, if I if I if I train, I've, I've got to get you know, I've got to get at least three or four runs done per week. I think you have to take each week, take each scenario, and try and think what um, low uh, impact, impact options yeah. have you got from treadmill to deep water running to even you know picking your spots to run so that you might you might ride, you might therefore drop your bike run on soft surface ride back home but but don't sort of think that oh well the tarmac straight out the front door straight outside the office or straight outside where the kids are playing tennis i'll run straight from there and not realize you could it might be making that worse i don't know but he's got to reduce his volume and therefore i think he's got to reduce his mindset about running he doesn't actually say how how far he was running and getting this 41 minute 10k which is solid you know that's a that's a solid run at, at high park um but perhaps if you look back you realize as i've done with people how little time they have actually spent running and that's then they right, realize yeah, yeah. wow i was in quite good form then but but i wasn't really running that much and then you look at it and say yeah look at the kilograms look how light you were that was the key factor not that you were necessarily doing you know your highest ever running volume i think there's a lot more to be said for being injury free and light than doing lots of miles and going oh yeah we do lots of miles but oh god my knees are killing me yeah yeah and, that's it yeah and another thing as well which i think gets overlooked now i am obsessed with this and that's with changing your shoes it's a pain in the neck yeah, you've it's done ex- it three times already we've only, <laughs> been, we've only been on the air about like 20 minutes and you change your shoes three times I'm, I'm obsessed with it it's the same with my biking shoes it's the same with my running shoes i change my shoes my running trainers my my training running trainers i used to change every four months wow at the very very that's that, that's the very latest i used to change them now don't get me wrong i'm just trying to see if there's any of your shoes on ebay did you literally <laughs> oh, there won't be any on there no not unless you want them to walk round to your house oh, right. um but and and cycling shoes the same i probably have two sets a year 
which which doesn't sound a lot, but to be honest, they they don't That's more so than they don't people. break down very quickly like a running trainer does. And touch wood, it's 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 given me the fact that even I all just the. I a pair of your shoes. They're no they're no they're no legendary. Not the heels, shoes. not the heels. Oh, not the heels. No. Sorry, I'm um, sorry. sorry. They're for weekends. Um, so you know, fortunately, touch wood, I've I've very very rarely for all the sports that I've taken part in had any injuries whatsoever to do with impact injuries like like uh, knees lower backs hips ankles mm. you know i wouldn't say it's all down to changing kit mm. constantly because it is a massive expense if you came to do it um but, but you don't have to get the most expensive training no you that's, don't that's a you false don't. economy yeah, yeah. People think they're buying the most up-to-date versus like no you're paying for a lot of marketing of the most up-to-date what was two or three years ago was you know Injury rates haven't plummeted over no, that time. This it's is the it. right shoe for you, yeah. and it's the right shoe at the right cost that you can turn them over, like you say, more regularly. There's somebody the other day, how old are your shoes? And they went, oh, two, two, no, probably almost two and three quarter years. And I was like, you might be joking. That, that, that right, makes my clogs. head spin. Yeah. That's clogs by <laughs> That's then. slippers. You, if, if, if you wore, if yeah, you wore like them I in... walk over, yeah. over to the office. i got old trainers that I would not dream. And when I did run literally about 100 yards in them, it absolutely... You can feel feet. it. Yeah, yeah you absolutely. can feel it. I mean, that's the biggest difference is is things like it. And another thing, it's it's saddles on bikes as well as another thing. You know, um, the saddle the, the the saddles sag a lot, which changes your ride height a lot. Yeah. So you know, little things like that can be tweaked. And obviously, if you need to, you can uh, you can obviously go see the uh, see the doctor if. If, if you're having persistent problems or a specialist mm. so, yeah. so I think Simon yes you can think about your think about the specificity of how much you really need to run I like that word um, I, I mean it's nice if somebody's running 10k they'd like to you know routinely get in runs that are up to I don't even think it's up to a certain distance in one go. I think even if you split it, so if you did two 40 to 45 minute runs in a day, I mean, one of those could be a pool run, one could be on a treadmill, um, you've, st you've still spent a long time using your running muscles, but you've not gone out and run on tarmac for 90 minutes and your legs are knackered. Yeah, that's it. And another thing is don't don't look for the end of the season or the following season. You know, you've got to think sometimes a little bit further down the line, four or five years down the line, yeah. when you're thinking, well, triathlon might be a long distance, a long distance memory, you know, um, because my knees are absolutely cream crackered. Mm. So yeah. I've, I've heard, I've certainly heard of um, meniscal tears and people coming back for them and it not being, you know, that's the end of you. Um, it, it helps to get you know really good consultants to understand what you're trying to do to get input but but to realize yes you want to be able to run um, six miles if you continue at Olympic distance but that doesn't mean you have to be so conditioned for six miles you might you might have to you know realize that you're not faking it but you're doing a completely different program to other people that are routinely yeah. trying to you know trying to run uh, five times race distance every week to try and make their body almost be able to, and you've got to watch that because you've got the stresses of biking and the stresses of um, swimming, and then you put all that together and try and absorb it, and it may be you're just asking too much of yourself. That's it, and it's easy to break down, or it's easier to break down, and obviously it takes you a lot longer to repair it and get back on your feet. So. Wise words, Mr. Crocker. Yeah. Wise words. Um, so we had a we had a. I tweet. was looking at that, thinking it, it was the tax for your car. What? <laughs> that little bit of paper there. I thought, why has Joe got the tax for his car on there? We're not going to have to read that out, are we? No. Martin, your brain <laughs> works in strange ways. This is a tweet. This is our question number three. It's from Scott Ward, who is um, at 
SC Ward 1975 and he says um, there was a tweet that went out and it went out and I put uh, triathlete Dane Lay, Dave Lane sorry Dave clocks a 10 mile PB of 2342 um, at 296 watts okay Very good. Um, and I put uh, MV Converse at Scott Sports Plasma 3 um, no Scott Sports Plasma three days after Windsor try PB Okay, so you did two hours 30 at Windsor. So, you know, an athlete informed as PBs. And he said um, via tweets, Joe, does that not seem like a high power average compared to the time? Aero position question mark. And so I thought this is quite interesting because um, I got permission from Dave Lane to, to use any of his data. Um, and I said, uh, that's a good question. Uh, we use it for the podcast. And... Um, then Scott came back to us and said, cheers, Joe, look forward to listening to it. Keep up the good work with the podcast. So I asked Dave, full permission. He sent a picture and um, he's he's a big guy on the bike, isn't he? I mean, he's he's a big guy. I'd have to find his, his data, but he's tall and he's, well, he's big. He's got to be six. Well, he's got to be over six. Well, he's easily over six two, isn't he? Yeah. And he's Sorry. a big, he's big across the shoulders. He's a big guy. But um, that... You know that power twenty three forty two for two hundred and ninety six watts. Um, it depends on the course. Let's be really honest. There are courses where um, you can do certainly less power and go a minute to a minute and a yeah. half quicker. Yeah, yeah. There are slightly lumpier courses, and that means that you, particularly when it's a power to weight thing, you've got to put out more power. So the actual power to speed isn't that much 300 watts for 2342 i mean we've got a lumpy type time local trial course, local to yeah. us um and i know from from doing it um way 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 too many times that for 290 to 305 it'd be perhaps a low 23 to a high 22 so maybe a little bit quicker but he's a big guy and sometimes the athlete size is the biggest factor yeah, yeah you yeah. take um you take a female athlete and i know um through data uh we've got data from uh, power data now from vicky gill who got fourth at um ironman uk 70.3 and for a 10 mile time trial where she's doing like a 22 or 23 she's putting out 240 or 250 yeah 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 S significantly less and so he's a big guy um within the tweet i said envy conversates and scott's plasma he's on a very aero setup um he's also been to the wind tunnel so he has been optimized he's got an aero helmet but you can't take the athlete out of the equation no, you can thing, make yeah. people as you know he, he looks he looks like a, a big rugby type player really yeah, yeah. you know some people are very very svelte you look at a picture of him um and we'll put the picture on the podcast if you're looking at the screen um, during this Q and A, I'll drop this in so that we um, we have it in on the on the sort of screen. You can see it, or you can see it online. Um, and you compare his physiology to somebody like um, Matt Bottrell, who's just set the um, competition 50 record, a blazing you know five lots of 18 minutes. It works out at for 10 miles, and it's just blazingly fast. Yeah. But they're different shapes. And the athlete shape, once you've got the bike, the athlete shape is the biggest thing to, to push air out of the way. And there must be people that somehow are just more aero. You know, they've just got the right sort of yeah. shape to them because um, 
Dave Dave looks like he's got rugby players' arms and shoulders, and so he's very square on the bike. Some people are so slight, they literally are cutting half the air. And he has been optimised, but still, um, one way to look at it is if you get power PBs, and if you get um, coarse PBs, you start thinking, well, actually, you're onto a good thing. Whether you can ever get as much as the next person is difficult. You know, some people can do 400 plus watts for 10 miles and they're going to be quicker. Yeah. It would be very strange for them to do that and be doing 25 or 26 minutes. They would be going a lot faster. So it's really difficult, I think, when you see people's times and wattages to make an exact comparison if you don't know their shape and you don't know what course they're doing it on but this is i mean we hear it a lot when when you kind of bound figures around when someone goes oh yeah I, you know i put out an average of i don't know 330 watts and you just go oh right oh that was their average they you know they, they must have been flying but like you said compared to a nine and a half stone person and a 13 <laughs> yeah, stone yeah, person yeah, you know yeah. there's, there's still going to be a huge difference so, so when you hear it bounded around that oh my maximum uh wattage was this this and this sometimes it, it's relevant more relevant to the person's size as well as you know whether they've got a good engine etc etc yeah so. yeah and so the the you know the watts per kilo comes in as you start to look at hillier aspects um Certainly the time trialists, the female time trialists I just talked about, um, watts per kilo would be over four watts per kilo for 10 miles, which is, you know, that's that's solid numbers. Because if you take an 80 plus kilo yeah. um, male, you're talking more like three... 320 330 and there are plenty of you know 70 kilo riders that can put out over five watts a kilo but they tend to be exceptional top of the tree mm. type athletes um so i i get what um scott was saying but i think it's a really diff difficult thing if you if he put out 296 and only did 2842, I'd be thinking, blimey, there's a lot of watts going off somewhere. That's right, yeah. Because he's actually a big guy. And there will be smaller people that can't get to 296 because of their size. So they just cannot do the watts per kilo. Here's watts per kilo. I'm, I am I didn't get Dave's specific weight, but I think we're talking, it's about three and three quarter watts a kilo. Okay, it's certainly there or thereabouts. It's not four. Um, and it's definitely more than three. Three, yeah. So it's in that, you know, three and a half ish. But like I said, you know, there are people that I would say were getting at least, uh, I'm trying to think, at least seven, at least five and a half watts per kilo. Yeah. So, you know, the watts per kilo will be an individual thing. The amount of speed that you get for that 296 has a lot to do with the equipment and setup. Dave's been in the wind tunnel. Um, he's got uh, MVs. He's got uh, low rolling resistance tyres. He's got, you know, the full works um, aero helmet. Um, and, and we have got a lot of data to, to sort of back stuff up. How far you can ever go with anybody, I think the watts that you produce is always going to be hitting eventually a point where you're eking out you know two here and five there and eight there if you're really lucky and everything's going well but a bit like the bike how much more can you find you know yeah. two and five and eight and at his point there aren't many places he could get less drag he could probably get you know some of the fastest discs maybe um potentially you know there'll be frames that come along soon that'll be more aero but but 
that'll again be a lot of money and I think um, you have to look at the individual because his power is coming from rotor power somebody else measuring on a different system it might be a little bit out you know, yeah, it yeah might, you it get that be, as well, didn't measuring you? Yeah. The exact, you know, they're measuring on an old, you know, I don't know, an old uh, power tap, um, you know, that that was upgraded to amp plus. It's a little bit um, generous on the yeah, numbers. Yeah, figures walk a little bit, don't they? Yeah, yeah but yeah. that's fine. That's just the numbers you've got. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't unrealistic. I didn't look at his numbers that day and go, hold on a minute, one of those is wrong. Yeah, I looked and go, well, actually, no, that would make that would roughly make roughly makes sense um but interesting now you know we are talking about watts and people are starting to sort of communicate on that level but it's it's watts per kilo um it's also um i think also it's quite good you know after triathlon to then pb um three days later yeah definitely. um to, to but it was a you know a quick opportunity to ride it wasn't like it was the hardest of courses yeah. somebody else had, had done a race that same weekend and went and pb so it was one of those opportunities to ride faster but i think it's quite important to always bear in mind what you're talking about what the scenario is and whether somebody's actually got the right numbers and i know he's got the right numbers he calibrates yeah. we've got his yeah. you know his cd is down in terms of his drag he's got low rolling resistance this that and the other so his so, cd joe being um so cda is coefficient of drag yeah um so he's you know he's very efficient so it's more a case of well that's the limit there isn't a lot more to come yeah. and, and a pb be it you know just over 300 watts great that's a pb for power that might not give you a pb for time but a few years ago we would have been talking like this about heart rate whereas oh yeah i've got a mate who's got a maximum heart rate of 202 <laughs> and you like that he must be exceptional and you're like well you know yeah but my maximum's only like 180 so yeah. I, I quite like how things have progressed on now to someone going i've got 550 watts on my indoor trainer um and doing a, a 28 minute uh, 10 mile time trial so. so so that's that's time trial we've done time trial we've done um a bit on the uh on the q and a's and stuff um i think it's a good idea to do this little bit of uh, research on olympic distance triathlon and why when i saw it it made me giggle was um a client said to me that they were watching i think they're watching the brownleys do one of the um it might even have been the london try one of the tries now they're quite routinely the um world triathlon series ones are quite routinely on them the uh television every other weekend on that their television that i was waiting television. for you saying that then no i wouldn't martin <laughs> and um and he was saying oh watching the pros they really go for it well um this research which has just come out it's not actually um fully available it's only in the uh, ahead of print version. I, I love it. I love it when Joe gets this stuff. He looks so smug. It's genius. No, I'm not smug. I, I'm it, excited. It, uh, that's what I mean. I think it comes across smug. as being smug. I'm not smug. <laughs> I'm not smug. I'm excited. No, I'm excited because because he sort of said, "Oh yeah, don't they really go for it?" I thought they did, but then this gives you a little bit. I of just background. love the way you twitch as well when you're just going, "Look, I've got this. I've got this." I'm so excited. He hides it from me under a big <laughs> pile of yeah, paper. But I don't want you to, to start going. What's that? Plus then? or minus five. Yeah. Five-year-olds <laughs> on the bike again. Again. Um, and this was the pattern of power output in a or an Olympic distance triathlon, um, and they used uh, twelve. Uh, race power profiles from elite male triathletes so five of them n equals five martin okay number of people involved was five uh body mass 65 kilograms um 
across seven international races. Uh, they used SRM cranks, analysed it, blah, blah, blah. The mean out power output over the um, Olympic distance. What do you reckon? I mean, this is elite racers. Come on, have a guess. Now, I, I'd, I'd love Can't to say... Jump. Right, OK. No, I'm gonna we go. want to spend an hour with you saying what you... All right. 282 watts. 252. I see, because I, I didn't know whether to go too low yeah. or too high. So that's 3.9 watts per kilo, OK? So that's very... That's You know, when you look at it, you go, oh, that's doable. Yeah, yeah. We've all done... Well, not we've all done. I've done time trials over that. Think, oh, there you go. And then you see, OK, um, but with the... Uh, um, the normalised power, the output, if the athlete could sustain the intensity um, constant without any variability, would have been 291. Okay. Or roughly 40 watts higher. So you can see that there's big ups and downs. Um, however, here comes the crunch. Uh, there were 34 peaks of power output above 600 watts. Right. So that's peak. So, you know. Um, with approximately 18% of time spent above their maximal aerobic power. Okay, so maximal aerobic power is what you reach in a ramp test. So you start at 100 watts, you go up 20 watts every minute, and you get to your maximal aerobic power, which for a... Uh, it could be watts per kilo, but for a solid, um, good level male triathlete or cyclist, it's, you know mid-upper 300s, potentially to the 400s for somebody that's quite hot on the bike. Um, for very good riders, you know, it's, it's, it's approach is 500. Um, and yet, these spent 18% of the time above that. So that wasn't, you know, a constant amount. That would have been surges. I'm sure it varied a lot. But that means that of the time spent on the bike, there's a lot of you know, surging and accelerating. So it's a completely different thing. This is this is what I was going to say. To completely the standard race yeah, that, that's that, it. That, uh, that an athlete that um, you know rides. We say right, we want to keep you at you know, for example, um, sixty percent of peak power, and they'll stay there, and that'll be you know what they try and do, and they try and minimise surges and accelerations because uh, they're not trying to get onto a pack or trying to drop somebody. But these these are obviously draft legal races, draft aren't legal, they? Draft legal, yeah, yeah. So, but it almost it's almost like a different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's oh, almost it's like a, a different. It's, it's a crit. It's a road race. Yeah. It is. It is entirely different. And um, um, and it sort of says, um, you know, lo and behold, um, and somebody somebody can you know go, wow, that was an amazing um, uh, uh, sort of uh, finding. I never would have thought that. But it says it's characterised by frequent and large power variations. Repeated supra maximal efforts, um, and it equates to a higher workload than cycling at a constant power. So yeah, they are they are road racers. They are they are good at doing bursts and accelerating. They're often on courses that are deliberately designed for the television, so they're looped courses That's rather right. than out and back. They will have technical bits to just give a little bit of uh, nice TV stuff, and so they're surging, but. Their average effort, yeah, is, is 250. But, you know, go out and ride for an hour and come back with an average, you know, let's say you aim for four watts a kilo, right? So first of all, try and do four watts per kilo. So if you're, um, you know, a 60 kilo female, that means you've got our average 240 watts for an hour, okay? Um, or for a male, I mean, a male would be, you know, let's say a 75 kilogram male, that's 300 watts per hour you average. Yeah. But within that, you've got, 18% of that time, 20% <laughs> yeah. um, would be 12 minutes, a fifth. So roughly 
12 minutes of the time is spent above your maximal aerobic power. So there's a lot of surges and there's, you know, 34 plus or minus 14 peaks of power output. So the average was about 3,600 watt surges. That must be like the bends, you know, they've got That's right, yeah, because you look at them because most of them are U-bends, aren't they? So yeah, you come yeah. up to them, you have to slow up. Yeah. You then have to get out the saddle and sprint out the corner yeah. to kind of stay yeah. with the bunch or, or stay up front. Yeah. So. Yeah. so when the, when this client said they, they really go for it, yeah, they, they, they do really go for it, but it's, um, it's a different type of... Um, and this person said, oh, should I be going that hard in my races? And I went, no, you're different. You know, not only are you, uh, what, probably double and a half the age of the guys that are doing it. So they are, you know, this is their job. This is what they do. But also they're deliberately doing that to break up other people. That's right. And if they can do it enough times, they can damage the legs of people that aren't used to doing that. So, you know, national governing bodies should have their athletes, you know, trying to ride and then doing, you know, literally, um, yeah. 30 to 40 accelerations over 600 watts staged out over a one hour interval because yeah. that's what you're doing yeah yeah um and because of that it's a it's a different type of athlete and some athletes can't do that they move into 70.3 racing and they're awesome mm. because they've got that that much better um they lack the the real sprint responsive stuff and that stuff for some people is the best way to to muller their legs is to put enough surges even in the three-hour ride and they're flat yeah. they just haven't got the the, the, the sort of twitch. capacity yeah and it may be that it is slightly trainable or it may be that actually the best people that do it have got um they've got slow twitch fibers but they've also got this middle sort of bandwidth that can be repeatedly accelerated and not be not be fatigued um but interesting the the exactly after that oh they they really go for it that this data comes out on those people yeah, yeah, and yeah. says yeah they do you know they are doing um yeah 600 watt surges means that if they're 65 kilos it's you know it's it's certainly um approaching 10 watts per kilo surges yeah and i know on the certainly on the power agent software that imports a few different versions of um of power files it will measure certain surges up to four watts per kilo eight watts per kilo and stuff like that and you do that and you see um, how little you actually ever do that i mean for most time trialists we see perhaps two surges that's right for yeah. most triathletes it's sometimes lucky if you even see that they're so economical coming out of transition yeah. they just don't want to surge you think i'll leave that till later they, the surge is not going to make a lot of difference because they're not drafting whereas this is drafting so if you miss that surge group riding. you're now on your own yeah that's it that's effectively it's group riding but also with these guys i kind of it's, you watch it and they're also very clever with the way that they do it because the surges aren't necessarily sprints out the corner it's kind of halfway through like a long straight or something like that yeah, and like you yeah. said they're thinking of the long game which is trying to kill the other their opponent's legs for the run so but but yeah fair do some they see they uh, they all seem to lick around at a fair old pace so so what do you reckon do you want to talk about tires or do you want to talk about um a, a race review uh let's go race review the only right. reason why i say that is um I'm trying to wean you off of your obsession with tyres. <laughs> it's not. I'm not going to give it all away. Just, yeah. just, just bits of it. Bits of it. Yeah. Um, so here is um, a race report from an Ironman athlete who has done. Um, this is kind of hot off the press. It's almost like it's a full out because it's uh, from Ironman Austria, which is only we are now on Wednesday, and it was on Sunday. So 
very fresh. Um, my race report, um, this person said, uh, build up. Um, I had anxiety about cramping on the run. Um, I increased the salt intake in my general diet. Um, I did this you know, in my food and I upped my hydration tabs during the journey to Austria. Um, I also loaded sodium phosphate and had a six day um, beetroot juice load. So this person was, you know, was, was, they were getting ready for their race. They wanted to be race ready. Um, yeah, for some weeks, carfish has prevented um, testing for the run. Massage, chiropractic, taping, and not running eased the discomfort. But we, you know, we didn't know, so um, didn't get to uh, didn't get to swim in the location. Got a twenty-five and thirty-minute um, bike ride on the Friday and the Saturday. Just test the bike, loosen the legs, and say, right, here comes the the race. Um, had additional sodium with the breakfast. Um, race race start. I, I just like the bit where he said, um, "Lots of ducking punches and kicks, <laughs> and ducking punches and kicks throughout." Um, not a bad time. Um, felt okay. No sign of cramping. So this was a great start. So this person's race started with them not getting out of the water and cramping, but going, "Oh, oh, actually, I'm I'm all right now." Um, um, and they said, we'll come back to this, um, I elected to wear socks on the bike um, for the first time and I hope I wouldn't need to change them again in T2. Um, I vaseline my feet, which was tricky as they were wet. Um, and then, you know, I, I used my bike, I had this many PSI, I had my salt tabs, I had my bar, I kept to between 140 and 150 watts. So this person had a target to stay on track. They're having their, their ISO drinks, etc., etc. Um, and they said... Um, First lap, three hours ten. I'm still feeling great for the second lap. I did feel I pushed it a little harder, um, but I eased on the downhills um, and I got to T2 um, at 6.18. So 3.10 for the first, 3.8 for the second. So, you know, kind of nice consistent pacing and feeding. Um, and again, they uh, said uh, no cramping. Um, socks were soaked, so I had to change them anyway. <laughs> Lesson learned. And sometimes those lessons have to be learned yeah, in the race. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could have come off, but it didn't. It wasn't any worse, but it wasn't any better, so to speak. Um, out onto the run, um, had isogels um, and uh, salt sticks. Um, and they said that they would um, they would walk for a few aid stations. Um, at the turn uh Klagenfurt um had the first signs of cramping so I upped the salt intake um to one every twenty minutes a salt uh salt stick um and was unable to run for fear of cramping. I walked for a little bit and then once the salt kicked in I was running and walking again um um for the rest of the race. Uh with the calf sleeves on and the calf taping I had no pain, no issues, so that was all good. So after their experiences in Outlaw and Wales and other previous things, this was a good thing. This worked for this person. Yeah. And this person's one of those classic people, you know, black kit, any kit, they get covered in salt. They literally are leaving a salt trail behind them. They're that much sweating and that much sodium um losses that doesn't take many hours before they do it so they might get to the end of the bike but they certainly get it um and i think it's it's also that thing that because so many athletes are quite quite hard on themselves it's like all oh, better not have much salt you know sorts of bad things they really restrict it it's, like, it's a little bit of salt's all right i know there's this big obsession about added salt in you know we've got to the added sugar now now we're doing the added salt as well but sometimes people are sweating and using sugar to such an extent that the rules are different for athletes yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so sort sticks. So this the lessons for the future, which may I mean they won't apply to everyone, but it said um, sort sticks do the job. And we need to up the intake on the last hour of the bike and continue into the run. This person also tried the. Um, uh, Scott Edley thing of once they got cramps in a different race, they popped one of the um, like isotonic tabs, you know, like like the the power bar ones and stuff. They popped it under the tongue, and left it there, and they said it's miraculous how it went. I mean, I don't know that it's a psychosomatic response, so I can't see how you could do that. And but yeah. you noticed it, you noticed it within minutes that the cramping started to go. And they're like, wow. Anyway, that seems to work for that person. Um, I need to get a better position on the swim, otherwise there's a great deal of frustration trying to swim around people. Um, uh, for the Ironman distance, um, wear socks but don't be bothered trying Vaseline at T1. Um, get my race pace right from the start of the run and don't be fooled by feeling good. Okay, that's always the hard one, is not to get off the, oh, I'm going to run this first hour really, really fast. Oh, actually, no, I feel good, I reckon I can keep going, and you don't. First hours, steady. It's so steady. People go, I'm sure I've run too too slow. And um, as somebody just came back from Nice said, you know, the first one felt really easy to do 50 minutes. It went 50, 54, 53, 51. So it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. yeah. You know, and they said the first one felt so easy. They wanted to go faster. And they actually did the first mile in under seven minutes because they couldn't get the GPS to work and they felt so good. And yeah. that's the thing is that people shouting, you've got off the bike, you're now running, you know, anything, even in a straight marathon, a half marathon, it's too easy at the start to overexert yeah. and there's no coasting you're supporting your body weight um the other things um to say um this person said particularly was that uh, they said uh, uh i'm going to continue a massage and chiropractic body maintenance and consider um taping the uh the calf up for more important events um and it was you know it was quite the, the person added on a quite nice sort of thing at the end of them um about what they wanted to sort of do um and they said uh after you positioned me on the bike it was very comfy to stay over for almost six hours and allow me to be ready for the run and when this person had had cramping issues before it was you know it wasn't the bike it was part of the bike part of the sodium part of the everything but if you get to people's issues and they then get a race and they don't have those issues they start to go ah right i don't have to say oh yeah, i'm always it. gonna have this yeah. or i'm always gonna have that um and they, they did say, um, I'm not sure there's much more I can do now at my age about improving on the swim, other than positioning. That'll do. But to get somebody's input after a race is really good. And if you ever do, you know, one of these big things where you, a lot goes on, I think it's really important. And I said to somebody today when we were doing a, a phone consultation, write it down in the last, uh, in the last, in the days after your race when you're recovering. Just write down stuff that went through your head and stuff you did, because you'll never be able to go back and plant yourself into those situations no. and remember it. And once you write it down, I found some from years ago, and they're really insightful to just go, oh yeah, I remember that. But without it written down, you don't remember it. No, and I think you do get the odd eureka moment when you're on the final legs of your run going oh, i remember i did that last time and i didn't get cramp and you, i know it's all long forgotten by the time you get over the finish line and uh, you know you the, the pain has stopped the euphoria kicks in of you actually finishing but like you said a couple of days after when your body settled tires. down tires yeah oh god tires um yeah Tires. very good um, the man is obsessed with it i'm not obsessed with it i've just got some data from uh, tour magazine so they tested um, a variety of um uh, stuff if you want to get it well um you know go go to their thing and uh 
Go to their thing. Go to their thing. So go to Tour Magazine. <laughs> go to their thing. Yeah, just go to their thing. You know their thing. Go to Tour Tour Magazine. It's online. It's digital. Um, I get this stuff through onto the uh, onto the iPad. I, I've not worked out how to get it onto my normal desktop. But on the iPad, you get various bits and pieces. Interesting findings. I'm not going to give you all the data. Um, I've just folded up the graph into oh, a small sorry. piece of paper. I thought you'd um, actually printed a card. <laughs> No, no, and it's actually easy if I look at it in, I was in, gonna big, say. in big version. Um, they tested various brands of, of tyre from um, Continental and Challenge and Schwabe and Specialised and Mavic and Redestein. One of the things which I know people are still scratching their head about us talking about 25mm tyres, but they found the 28mm version of the Continental GP4000 S2 Okay, and, and that's very specific. If you're going to buy them, it's GP4000S2s. They were the best tyres. Yeah, no, Joe and I, before we started this, Joe was we were trying. Joe was explaining to me what what we or what he thinks is 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 the the system of how it works, which is almost completely opposite to what you think it should be, isn't it? Effectively. Well, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Carry in, terms, in terms Carry of the wider... You've got to get your SATA system. <laughs> no, no, just the wider tyre, because it um, because you can actually roll it slightly lower rolling resistance, it then conforms better over the road. If people are listening and, you know, some of these people are 55 kilogram women or, you know, um, 61 kilo males, right the way up to, you know, 90 kilo males, they just have this default of 120 PSI and they just pump it up because they say, oh, well, my rims will take 120, and, you know, it says it says 120 PSI, and they've just got this number, and yet that's so hard that you bounce over most yeah. things. You feel how hard that tyre is at 120. I mean, it feels hard. And for a lot of people, it should be a lot, lot lower than that. And they, they ran them at a standard of 109, I think, checking on my notes. Approximately, yeah, about oh. 109. You know, didn't do 120, Ish. but with the... Um, with that uh, Continental, even if they went down to 80 PSI, which is heresy for most people to sort of think, 80 PSI? I mean, that's comfort. If you want if you want good sportive comfort, 28 mil Contis at 80 PSI, you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, but there was only one watt increase in the rolling resistance by going down to 80. Most people have got this fear that in dropping the, the PSI, that the rolling resistance is suddenly going to shoot up. And I think there needs to be a total rethink that, no, you need to work with the volume of the tyre and with what you want. If you want comfort, then you're probably 80 for, you know, for um, male athletes, probably 80 is very low. Yeah. And you can get decent speed out of 95 to 105 PSI. I mean, that isn't too low. But what did they say the load was on this again? Um, I think... Um, did you say 80? 80, 85 K. kilograms. 85 kilograms. So if you think 85 K... Load on the t yeah, a load on the tire yeah. at 80 psi is low, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really low, but only the only an increase in one watt. Yeah, yeah. So which takes it from like 19 to 20. Which then makes you, like you said, you have to then rethink everything that you thought originally. Where, but yeah. <laughs> pardon the expression, hard is better. You know, more psi is yeah. better. Yeah, is is not the case, is no. it? Um, and they didn't do comparatives about what happens if they put all the tyres upwards. But you know, something um, 
if you took if you took two people and one was given the 28 mil yes there might be an increase in the weight of that tire it might take a bit more energy to get the thing going though they're not overly heavy no. oh, no, no, because no, they're no. making them from very good materials they're a good casing they're a good rubber um but compared to something what used to be you know quite a benchmark the forteza Vredestein was quite a quite a, a useful tire people thought of them as being quite quick mm. and yet that is you know another eight to nine watts per tire more energy 18 watts of energy for you to change your tires you're going to feel that because when people have done it the other way somebody said they came in i was doing a bike fit they said oh oh i did change those tires i felt the difference straight away that's phenomenal yeah, it's and madness. Then, it was just a passing comment they just went that's phenomenal and they said yeah you probably felt you know 15 watts or so difference because they were on some pretty crummy tires yeah yeah and they were riding some uh stuff they just wanted to be a bit quicker and of course it was the last place they looked for it but the more you see this you know tendency for certain tires to be um fairly good um tends to suggest that wider is better for a lot of people and you shouldn't be thinking narrow um and probably you know we've got to rethink this whole 120 psi i think if you get used to putting in only 100 you'll realize that it's quite firm at 100 and you you know you've got better handling in the wet yeah um it might not sound quite the same because there's slight difference in but it's the sound sometimes with very high tires is almost that you can hear the pinging of it bouncing off the off road, the road yeah. as opposed to you going over the bumps you're literally bouncing off them and if you're sitting on aero bars or you're in a road race the last thing you want to be doing is bouncing off of that front wheel well, and you, your backside bouncing off the back wheel well that's the thing well if, if you imagine if you can start to hear chain slaps or your chains tapping on the on the chain stay you know that your back wheel is going to have to do a hell of a lot of bouncing for that but like you said also the last thing you need coming into a corner is for you to hit a little bit of bumpier road and the tires be leaving the tarmac yeah you know because they do just for a just for a, a little bit but yeah you want as much as much traction in corners and as, as little resistance as you can going forward so um so yeah that that i think for people that are into their tech just because they've got i think some good brands that tend to be things that people would aim for and it can give you a comparative um almost like you know some of the wider tires are better the best was a 28 mil you know and yet there are still people saying oh we, no 19 mils we were laughing weren't we we said 28 mil and, and you just kind of just go you're almost bordering on yeah. a mountain bike tire now <laughs> but I, I want to try them in training yeah. i want to get some because moving up to 25 it seemed now having gone back to an old pair of wheels that i found with some sort of 21s on and they feel really harsh yeah. and they are they don't they it's not as as easy a bike to control because it's literally the side walls of the tire are vertical whereas on a tire that bulges outwards That's right. you've got some sidewall to almost turn on hmm. um well i'll tell you i'll tell you what we'll we'll get a pair and we'll try them out. Right, there we go. That's a safe fork promise right yeah. there. There we go. We'll try them out and we'll see, we'll see what they're like. We won't be able to do exact. We don't need to do rolling resistance tests. It's right here. But just to feel the difference. Yeah. And we can weigh them and see what the comparison we, we, is. Because we've got everything else, haven't we? We've got all the other decent top tyres to yeah. compare to. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, for people that are particularly less adept at riding their bikes and want a bit more comfort because they're out there in sportives or long rides or doing marathon rides that they're on the bike for a long time actually 
the comfort and rolling resistance are so vital and now it's moving into the realms where you can literally have it all i mean if you look at a 25 mil lightweight rolling resistance creme de la creme tire it isn't something where you're thinking yeah but i'm gonna get loads of punches and it's gonna be a real pain in the backside it's actually kind of got it all got it all yeah this is the thing and that's I'm... why they they rated the of all of them and i'll i'll say they just rated the um one of the contis as one of the best ones hmm. and it would be you know it'd be nice for people to see that they can have a bit more comfort it'll still roll really well um and it could be one of those things that makes quite a big difference to how comfortable and confident they feel on the bike because that way you can just go wow they they, they just feel really good and yeah. it's like yeah there, there's a there's a there's a stunning difference between um good tires and bad tires and yet people don't you know kind of think you're making a bit of a oh not them and tires against <laughs> please 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 swap if you've got some you know crummy 21s and you're still clinging on to the idea they're going to be you know, oh they're lighter and stuff like that it's like you don't need light you need um, you need something that you know has got the the comfort, the traction, which is one of the things for some triathletes over wet and bumpy courses. We stick them on fat tires because they can handle the bike better. Yeah, they they don't they don't mind if it's raining because they're not going to be on a a twenty mil tire at one hundred and twenty psi. They're going to drop the psi down and they're going to ride a fatter tyre, and you wouldn't notice it. I mean, you look at those 25s, you don't notice them that much. I mean, another way to do it is there's a lot of... I know there's a lot of guys and girls out there that ride off-road as well, but... Oh, hi to all you off-roaders. Yeah, but just try and ride a mountain bike with Ooh. 55, 60 PSI in the tyres off-road yeah. on, on, for instance, wet ground. Yeah. Right, yeah, fine, they'll cut through the mud, <laughs> but you'll get absolutely no grip yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So, But then if you drop the pressure out, so say you drop the pressure to, well, depending on the wheel size, mm. but, it, you know, 30, 32 PSI, that thing will grip. Like, you, you know, because it's more important off-road to have the grip, grip yeah. but it's a compromise between grip, drag, yeah. Um, and obviously speed over the ground. So it, it, even though you think dropping, I don't know, you're running 120 in the wet. Even if you drop them down to 105 yeah. psi, people go, oh, "I'm giving away, giving away time there." Yeah. Well, you're not for the amount of time you have to tiptoe round yeah. the corners, um, and it's worst case scenario as well because you're touching the brakes, trying to slow up, and you basically turn the corner like a 50p piece, just making sure you don't go too hard because you only need to go a mile, mile and a half hour quicker, and bang. They don't yeah. give you any warning road bikes, you'll be yeah. sat on your backside. But just dropping that little bit of pressure out with a slightly wider tyre yeah. just gives you that confidence in the corner. Yeah. So. No, they, went down, they went down to 80, and I think there's quite a lot of people that could go down to lighter female riders, easily go down to 95. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of male riders go down to 100. You try it and get an accurate gauge at 100 and realise that you just notice that it is quicker. I mean, yeah. you're going along thinking, this is quicker, but also I'm not losing fillings. And also I feel, <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like I don't get off the bike. If I'm going to go for a run or if I'm just going to then carry on for the rest of the day, I don't feel like I've been battered by something that's too hard. Um, just briefly got... Um, he said did, that an hour ago, some, briefly, uh, They did some tires. tests of different frames. I'm not going to say what they are, but they varied. Um, this was at 28 miles an hour. They varied from the winner, which in this particular test was about 187 watts, up to another one of the super bikes, which was 201, 202. So there's a, you know, there's a uh, not quite. It's certainly a 15 watt difference between the best and the worst um, sort of uh, 
uh, super bikes and one of the benchmark bikes is about 190 one of those you know reference bikes that people always say oh the such and such that was at 190 so there was some as much as um 12 watts more and some were about four or five watts less but when you look at it at that at that sort of uh, cost there is a bit of a difference yeah but now they can be tested people can you know if they're going to spend the money and say but well, i don't want to spend the money on something that ends up being almost 20 watts worse off i want to spend it on something i know what i'm getting so some of the testing of the frames that supposedly has been done in their development doesn't bear out when somebody does yeah. independent yeah, testing yeah. um and this thing about moses bike Do you know i thought you had forgotten that's the bike that's the bike you're too, Haven't you you're got too that young. in your garage? <laughs> yeah, I wish I did have. Um, so it's a bike with um, front wheel looks pretty normal, um, but uh, the the real wheel is a gigantic disc that goes between a split seat tube. The seat tube is split, and the wheel comes through there because the wheel goes in front of the nose of the saddle. I mean, it literally takes up most of the bike. Um, he used it uh, May twenty first, nineteen eighty eight, and rode. Um, 31.45 miles in an hour um, and they compared it against um, a Canyon Speedmax oh, yeah. so a pretty aero bike um, and actually it, it shows the difference now that we've we've got more knowledge okay that was on a track so that was very much into pretty much um, still air therefore they're you know in a in a velodrome you've got less instances of, of wind hitting the side of the bike and round tubing was what you had to have it was round tubing there wasn't um there was aero tubing by 88 um i've got an 81 bike that's aero tubing so they were um they were around um but here we go yeah it was a 40 inch rear wheel <laughs> um, okay um they adjusted the seat height but um they they did actually have um a pedaling mannequin on the bike so you could tell that they were making, they were taking account of, you know, legs on a bike make a big difference. Yeah, if you yeah, stick yeah. bikes in and just measure them, some of these aero bikes then don't become aero because the legs affect that. it. <laughs> you know, um, uh, and they they measured the difference, and what they found was that the drag of the Moser um, with the with the dummy on it um, was fairly comparable. The actual um, drag was was close enough, but when the wind goes. Um, out at an, a your angle, a greater angle to the bike, it starts to get a lot worse on the round tube bikes because they they don't act like the current wings, which cause a reduction in the drag. They actually act in some cases to actually increase the drag on the round tube because there's more of the tube effectively um, not hitting the wind, but it's at a it's at a, a, a different angle if you like. There's more more angles for the bike to be hit from. Um so they found that the um there's there's the you want to see this don't you there's the, the mannequin legs that pedal themselves. You'll love that. Um but, oh, awesome. Yeah what what oh, they found mind. was um uh the giant wheel had too much surface area um when it came from the side. So if it was on the road that wouldn't have worked. However, if you look at the um, the small angles of attack when the drag um, is, say, similar to riding indoors, there's a lot less side winds. Um, it was it was found to be um, almost a difference of ten percent. So, current aero bikes, 
are much better. Yeah. They allow you to gain. I mean, you you hear of people in uh, in aerodynamic circles talking about you know riding riding the frame into the wind. I mean, literally trying to get side winds to allow the bike to go quicker. And indoors, you don't get that. You get very plain still air unless you, you probably wouldn't even make enough air to affect your next lap around even at that speed but you've got this um 2.6 percent difference in drag between a current superbike and his hour record bike back in the uh, in back 80. in the 80s um but the modern designs are better from the angles of the side therefore if you're on a you know standard even current road bike and you've got round tubes you are going to be taking more effort in real world conditions than somebody that comes past on a aero bike assuming it's a good brand that has been properly aero shaped because they're gaining from the side winds and side winds are out there most of the time you rarely get those steel conditions you do get slight winds and for those with um aero bikes if you find you've got side wind days, that's the days that you're probably going to find the most effect because mm. going into the wind at the side angle, you don't get the full impact of the wind. You actually get um, some reduction in drag allowing you to go forwards, not totally without feeling the wind, but you don't slow down as much as you do on a no. round tube road bike. But conversely, if you're doing an out and back, when you get the tailwind, you're getting pushed. So it doesn't matter, you're only getting pushed on the side, you're still getting pushed. pushed yeah. So you almost ride even harder into the wind because you've got a sense that you're doing it for longer, but you still gain the benefit by the side wind redu reducing the drag. So they were fairly close, you know. If it I was, was going to say, if you, if you look at the the time difference, so you know, in years. Oh yeah, two point six percent. It yeah. was only so. Yes, they've developed, and yes, it's you know, it's a double disc. If you'd put spoke wheels on, probably it might have been better to have had a spoke rear wheel in outdoor conditions. Inside, it's actually very close, and it's. It's against a you know a bike. The Speedmax didn't have a disc front wheel, so the Speedmax was, if you like, road legal, um, and yet it still outperforms what was you know what was considered to be you know the sort of super bike. And end but I yeah. suppose also another well, it wouldn't probably be as interesting, but you know things like um, you know stiffness and compliance of the bike as well. But again, that's another that's a different ballpark. It's a different it's a day, different, isn't it? It's a different ballpark. Yeah, you have that little tire thing Thank for, your, you. for your for your retail sales patter. And then there's the marathon. Something completely different. Nothing to do with bikes, nothing to do with tires. This is in the International Journal of Sport Nutrition and Exercise Metabolism. This is what Martin reads every Thursday morning. <laughs> Everyone else gets the Beano, he gets the I J S N E M. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this was Marathon Runners. They looked at trying to um basically it's copenhagen marathon and they were trying to get people into rough groups and then look at a strategy either um of what they called um targeting um intake where they use gels and water um about three quarters of a liter of water with 60 grams of carbs in um per hour um or just um or just uh um, the the kind of like random um, uh, freely chosen strategy um, 
where certain runners, oh, there's the cat trying to come into the office again. Um, certain runners experienced diverse gastrointestinal symptoms, okay, but they weren't different between the groups. So what we know is there was a, a sense that um, they they were able to do it more so than they thought they could. Have you found that with marathons? You can actually have more than you realise? Yeah, I, I think sometimes what people do is people get a little bit kind of... Um, they are overcautious to a certain degree, but I, I think you kind of you should be testing this kind of thing out in training anyway. Um, but yeah, I, again, depending on what you're used to, depends on uh, you know the, the, what your stomach a agrees with as well. So it's, it is a difficult one, but again, like you've kind of reiterated time and time again, you know, you you practice these things. You know, that's what training's for. You know, to try these things out. So yeah, yeah. and they, you know they they certainly found that the um, the level to which feeding can take place is probably more than what people think. I mean, this is still 60 grams an hour now. If you're riding the bike, you don't exactly think that's breaking world records. No. To say to somebody right sixty grams per hour, if you ask most people doing marathons, they're not they're not doing that. No. They might do if they are um, an occasional triathlete that's used to perhaps doing longer distance races and therefore they know that you have to feed as you go. Um, they they almost do it instinctively, but runners don't tend to be as as clued up on feeding, which is why it's coming across now more so. You see more elites grabbing at bottles in races. You're seeing people talk about, oh, I might take a gel, and oh, God, they work, don't they? And um, actually, it's, it's funny from a from a retail point of view, we've had more and more runners probably in the last, I don't know, maybe maybe eight to ten months start to pick up on on things like gels and and everything else you know decent club runners you know guys that do it because they, they want a pb you know so i think this is a massive thing that's yeah. on the increase with people's awareness of it um like i was i've mentioned times and you know time before the guys that that play football professionally have only really just started to to to, to take up these uh take up these energy drinks the recovery's always been there um but things like gels you know if you're watching the world cup that's on now you know a lot of the guys are taking gels kind of you know half time um even during extra time you yeah. know when they get the break yeah. from full time so yeah and this was you know this was done on on non-elites um there was uh 14 people per group so you know enough 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 numbers if you get 28 people you can start finding trends and have um, you know statistics that are a little bit more valid than just somebody's random um, ramblings about what they did or didn't do and they found that on average the people that applied the scientifically based um, nutrition strategy which you really don't think about it in that terms but it is for runners to, to, to think right you're going to take in you know around three quarters of a litre with um, 60 grams of carbs per hour um, some don't even take that in in a whole marathon yeah. you know across across multiple years let alone just across multiple races and they found they were 10 minutes and 55 seconds or 4.7% faster by doing a planned regime. So it, it is the test all in all to about whether A, the stomach can cope with it, or B, the, you know, obviously the the advantages of, of having a, a plan for, for running, you know, a nutrition plan for running. What was it? What, what was the, what was the... So it was, it was, you know, it was meant to, it was meant to... by in-race in nutritional strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's trying to see, you know, if you set down something that 
um, it's probably what are we now? Um, you know, it was almost 30 years ago that cyclists started talking about you know taking in 60 grams an hour and they were using glucose polymers and, and so forth so um it's just running is catching up and they're starting to see elite runners grabbing at gels and drinks and stuff and thinking that might work and then thinking well yeah you're running a marathon that's going to take you about two and a half thousand calories to to get to the end and if you if you if you're not carbo loaded if you go too hard too soon um or you you know are inefficient you're going to blow up because you haven't got two and a half thousand calories so by taking in this 60 grams per hour um i'm guessing um marathon time was 349 so roughly they took in three and a half times that so they took in let's say about 200 grams 200 grams of um carbs is 800 calories that's bumping about six or seven miles worth of extra fuel in which for most people have always talked about this 20 mile wall so that's what you're doing yeah. you know you just so your people don't slow down towards the end because they're not over the last perhaps six miles having to slow down because they just haven't got the carbohydrate in the muscle and the muscles are getting very fatigued yeah and the next i suppose that the other thing for kind of decent marathon runners i know when we you know 99 percent of us aren't elite aren't elite runners but you know we're not going to have a table with our feed on there so next thing you watch running vest with little pockets that's what it will be little pockets to put gels in i know some short running shorts come with it but i think most of that's to put the uh put your keys in if you're out running that's all your car keys so yeah um, um there's yeah there's i mean there's fuel belts you know there's fuel belts there's tri tops with little side pockets yeah. for gels um there's certainly marathons where sometimes they allow people to have um, special needs bottles, but you can't imagine that going too far. Well, so imagine how many tens you of the carnage? Of bottles you've got. <laughs> um, some people will, you know, we get them with, they, you know, if it's, okay, 60 grams per hour, you work out what's available, you work out what you, what you need to take. You can literally, particularly most marathons, take a bit of a while to get going. You you take your first lot literally as you're starting the run, which immediately stops you going too fast. If you take like 20, 30 grams of stuff straight away, then the first few aid stations that you're trying to run through, you don't need to go to the table. Yeah. Um, that means foot traffic starts to dissipate a bit more and you can run through without bumping into people, for, hopefully. Um but you've still got to think, well, for most people, that means they've got to think about, I've got to take in, you know, four times 60 or five times 60. But that's what we do for sportees. People will write down and have even stuck to their um, stems. This is how much I've got to take. Yeah, At this yeah. point, I have this many bottles. And you work it back and you realise that's the difference between, you know, OK, we're only talking about um, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes, 50 seconds. But... Everyone wants to be ten minutes and fifty seconds faster than what their best marathon yeah, time was. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you did if you did two hours ten and fifty four, you'd have loved that to have been uh, not two hours and ten fifty four. No, three hours ten fifty four, and you could take ten minutes fifty five. I think, wow, that'd be a two fifty nine fifty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everyone wants to be ten minutes quicker, and here is you know, lo and behold, wake up runners. Here's something <laughs> saying, yeah, saying, look, we got to do it. And I've done camps quite a few years ago with Runners World, um, and with a, a, a great guy and a great runner, um, Mike Gratton, and you know, we were talking to people about it, and the ones that got it really got it, and they'd come back the following year, go, yeah, it really helps. I've 
I've started doing that not all the time you don't you don't need it if you're doing a 8k run in the morning to start running around with gels but there's certain runs where you get used to using it and it helps you recover you yeah. get used to using it so that you can actually speed up or recover better after intervals but it's only now just beginning to you know almost like this study if you look at this if you said this in cycling terms, you're like, right, okay, so you're on about, if we ride for, you know, roughly three hours, we'll go faster on carbs. Yeah, that research was been done in the 80s. And that's the thing, yeah, and, yeah. And now it's just coming through to marathoners. It's a bit different, but there's more aid station provision. There's more information about what's going to be available on the day, so you don't just get some guy with a table and a couple of cups. Most of these big marathons are very well supported. Yeah. You look at Berlin and you watch the, the runners doing the um, you know, attempt at the world record. You can see them running in groups in a V shape. They're passing bottles. They're going through these power bar aid stations that are loaded with gels and bottles. You think, yeah, feeding is coming to marathon running yeah. now. It's just the slower runners have to be, you know, this is still per hour it wasn't water it was glucose it was sodium it um it also had a small amount of caffeine actually interesting enough i have to work out what that was in terms of um total intake it doesn't look like it's so much that that's the reason why they ran faster yeah. but there's a small amount of caffeine but that idea of aiming for a reasonable you know 750 mils is quite a typical amount during exercise um to be able to take in some might say oh, i can only do 650 some would take 850 but Lo and behold, you know, here we are talking about 2014 and you kind of think, yeah. I know I'm an athlete have been doing this for years. That's it, Taking yeah. it in off the bike. But isn't it strange between, even though, say, in multi-sports, it's taken for granted. But most of the failings come, I know it's at the end, from when you hit the run and you go, oh, I can't really feed when I'm running. So, you know, it's something that you have to kind of learn to do. So... But um, but yeah, the, the 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 running guys are catching up as as far as it goes. But you know, the the cyclists have always always kind of led the way with everything anyway, haven't they? With reference yeah. to kind of technology. But you know, it's good to show that people are starting to pick it up. But uh, with the with the running, same with things like swimming. I know it's a little bit difficult to feed when you're swimming. Yeah, but there's still, there's still, but, there was something other I didn't. Oh, I'll print it off for you next time about the long distance swimmers, about them getting their feeds because they have people hanging the bottles out. Yeah, and they have to kind of grab them right. feed and then and then throw them back and so they're thinking about it you know they're doing 10k you know 10k's now you know in the olympics so they're doing that feeding and they're, they're getting their gels or their drinks and stuff so it's you know it's more sports are realizing feeding is where it's at yeah and you look at the sportifs and i've got people going over to do um marmot and um uh, just various big sportives and you know they, they've worked it out they know what they've got to aim for it'll change a bit when it comes to the reality of what's happening on top of a, a mountainside after 150k it might be a bit different to what they thought but they've still got a rough plan they don't go into it and think I don't know I just grab whatever because that's going to fail you're going to get tired and, and start to lose sight of what you need to be doing which is you've got to keep on a plan if yeah. you start to go oh, I'm too tired I can't be bothered well then that's the start of the rot you've got to keep on a regime and when you least feel like it, it's often when you most need it need it that's right yeah so some good um, bits and pieces I think just yeah, really covered good. across the you know the, the different sports um and a little bit of the mountain bikers a little bit of the psi tips from martin the off-roader crocker um runners the mountain bike feed in sportive riders the feed in and particularly i think the sodium is a really important one um to, to look at the olympic distance triathletes the power and how that varies um the data for the tires the moser 
frame data. So bits and pieces, nice bit of in-season stuff. I We're like just it. about to, you know, see the tour. We've had loads of Ironmans and triathlons and everything. We're in the thick of it right now. Well, so get your questions and send them across to us, either through the Twitter feed or go to coachjoebeard.com and click on um, contact. I think that's been um, one of our better ones. Yes. And our sound is good. Yes, thank yeah, you, Martin. That was a little test of the microphone. Um, yes, so thank you. Um, feedback page for questions and discussions. Um, add your reviews at iTunes. We appreciate those. That's um, really nice. And we have sorted the sound, so thank you for um, picking us up on that. And thank you for for downloading and listening. I, I was only thinking that it's it's in its ninth year, and I was thinking when it first started, it, it's amazing to kind of think that it does go around places but how it's evolved and it's down to and i was thinking it's down to you at the other end of this um uh, mp3 to think oh i want my question or i don't agree with that or can you give me more info on this this or this and if we can we will it's a nice way i think of putting stuff out there and of discussing things and um, we can't always discuss everything we can't give away some of the data um, if it's uh, protected data by people but hopefully we've um, helped people um, with our answers and with our information yeah is that it that's yeah. it yeah that is it. Oh, I just want. We should now have, and I've, this was the other thing I thought about. We've got to have one of um, the the crockerisms at the end of the thing. You can't just ask me like it just comes out, Joe. Sometimes it? it just All comes right. out. I don't even. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. No, but no. You sure? I've got one coming soon. I can feel it. Yeah. Feel okay. It. Okay. If we if we see that coming, we'll we'll tweet it. Yeah. I think you know. And what was it to where more information is not necessarily more informed? Was that the um, yeah, yeah. something around that mark, wasn't it? Oh dear. So remember, this is the middle of the season. Um, get out there, do your stuff, do your training, keep fit. Uh, make sure you you tell your friends about the podcast and if they've got questions to uh, send them into us through the contact pages or the tweets etc thank you once again we really enjoy this it's good fun preparing it and it's good fun getting your feedback so train smart and uh, have fun all the best You don't have to put your nose on the microphone. My nose is there. Yes, I know, but you don't have to put it on the microphone. Do your, do your test. 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 Test, test, test. test. One, two, three. Test. Test, test, test. In the house.